Welcome to In The Jar, where friendly face ain't far. Now have you a seat, because we're going to have a cigar. Let's get to the money. Ooh, that tastes good. First clip. Anytime you're you're not at home, you're not in your area, you just have to expect it. Basically, you know, I go into these things, just try to find my zen. Expect, you know, as soon as the fire alarm went off, I just laughed. I'm like, of course this would happen. You know what I mean? It's it's uh it's part of it. You know, is it random? No, I, I think there's no way it's random, but it's part of it. You know, I mean, it's it's just more wood thrown in the fire. Did this, how are the how the fields hold up? I, I, you know, honestly, for me, I, I can't even think about it because I, I just have the mindset of it doesn't matter. Whether they're good or bad, it doesn't matter. I have a job to do. And uh, if, I, if I sit here and think about the fields, I'm, I'm not focused on my job. So I just try to focus on, you know, no matter how bad the fields are or how, you know, soft it is or different it is than normal fields. I just have to lock So I saw a news clipping earlier this week that was talking about San Francisco's practice facilities in Las Vegas that they have access to versus the facilities that the Chiefs have access to. So the Chiefs are training or have been training at the Raiders facility and the San Francisco 49ers have been using UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas' practice facilities. And so there's always, I guess, this has just become a topic of discussion with this Super Bowl, but there's always, I would imagine, been this sort of, like, who gets what argument. And so the reason this was coming up this week was because apparently the 49ers were not satisfied with the field surface at UNLV's facility. Um, apparently, uh, I heard this on McAfee, apparently there's a scoring system with field surfaces in the NFL. And so I think it's out of 100. And supposedly, if you're in the 70s, you're good to go. Right? So at the Raiders practice facility, according to Adam Schefter, the score is in the 80s. Apparently, for UNLV's playing surface, the score was in the 50s. And so a lot of talk throughout the course of the week of the 49ers not being happy with these um, conditions. And then you see, I believe this was as of a couple of days ago, um, that in their hotel, they had a false fire alarm go off at 6 a.m. Okay. And you heard Christian McCaffrey say, I don't think that's coincidence. I don't know. You know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a crazy, I mean, he's probably right. I've talked about it on this show and I have dear friends that play for the Chiefs. But, 
is it starting to become more of a narrative that they might be getting some special treatment? I don't know. Debo Samuel said this. How was that? Yeah. At first, I thought I was dreaming, and then I just I wake up and I just hit an alarm for my. It's an emergency. It's time for y'all to evacuate the building. I'm like, I look at the time. I'm like, what's this about? Like, and then in reality, it wasn't no purpose for the alarm to go off. So it just somebody just they've had three fire alarms this week go off at their hotel man three of them i don't know bro it's it's I, I don't know where the Chiefs are staying or, or what their hotel situation looks like, but I mean, golly, these narratives are really interesting the week week leading up to the big game. Um because then everyone has the story behind um, you know, how they can explain what's going on on the field. So I mean I think if you're the 49ers, if you're a great team. You use this as fuel. Very simple. You know, I I see it as an advantage to the 49ers pending they didn't lose some game-changing sleep uh, being woken up a couple mornings ago. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way to look at things. Obviously, you know, they're playing the game in Vegas. They're away from home, like McCaffrey said. And conditions are going to be um, highly variable. So, I mean, I think I think it's just an interesting storyline. Obviously, there's so much media attention around this game every year, and it continues to grow. The dollar figures around it continue to grow. Um, honestly, I've had so much media to sift through um, in regards to what I want to share with you all on this show this week that I, I was inundated, um, you know, preparing for this thing. But I do know that there's some high dollar figures around this game, especially when you throw Taylor Swift in the mix. Now, uh, do I love talking about Taylor Swift? Not particularly. But I think NFL executives like talking about her. It says here, Swift's relationship with Kelsey and her appearance at Chiefs games has generated $331.5 million in equivalent brand value for the Chiefs and the NFL. Right, So uh, this article defines equivalent brand value as how much a brand would have to spend to get the same amount of media exposure. Right, so Swift's, this is the article says here, Swift's economic impact on the league was foreshadowed early on when sales of Kelsey's jersey, Travis Kelsey's jersey, skyrocketed 400% within days of Swift attending her first Chiefs game. I mean, that's crazy. So, you know, there's... There's a lot of stuff around around this game, around her effect on it. 
Uh, but that 400% number seems to be the, the big thing. That's crazy within a matter of days. So I can only imagine what the viewership's going to look like. I can only imagine what businesses are planning on doing with their commercials around this game. And I mean, everybody's talking about this shit. I want to, I'd like to focus on the football, but I mean, you know, it gets to a point with this game where, you know, the media and the money and all these things around it start to, you know, football kind of starts to take a back seat. Um, so, yeah, next clip. Dude, the fact that he just Ooh, ran his ass over, over like that. That's a Michigan word. I'm going to Iowa guy and can't say something like that. Dude, I'm running that back real quick, just for a second. So Kittle's probably what, like 6'5", 6'6", 240, 250, going against Aiden Hutchinson, who looks to be a little taller than that and definitely has 20 or 30 pounds on him. Dude, those tight ends, man, especially tight ends like George Kittle, like I remember sometimes in, in my you know uh, playing days, practicing days, whatever you want to call it, you know, if I had a tight end coming out hot at me, that was more scary sometimes than a pulling guard. And the only reason for that is is because tight ends have got a little more crazy in them, especially white tight ends. You know, they'll be making noises at you, coming at you, grunting, laughing like psychopath, which is what Kittle was just doing there. And I don't know, man. There's just something about it. When they get you locked up, it's hard to get their hands off of you. And they're laughing like the Joker the whole time, trying to just mow you down. And they won't stop until you're mowed down. I hated, I hated going against a big, white, blocking tight end. Especially if they're, you know, uh, sitting there in that sniffer, that H-back, and they just go right up in the B-gap, plug it. And they got space to work with. They're running at you real hard. And these guys are 6'5", 6'6", 240 pounds. And they're fast. Explosive as shit. Dude, I hated going against tight ends. Hated it. What's the next clip? Oh, yeah. So, uh, staying on the topic of Kittle. Um... I thought this clip from last week, week before last, I guess, uh, in the NFC Championship game against Detroit was funny. Obviously, you know, Detroit put themselves in a hole, and they had to onside kick the ball late in the game. And, dude, it's crazy. Like, obviously, these NFL organizations, they only have, you know, 53 guys, so they got to, um, you know, on, on units like the hands team, Right, that's the uh, the hands team is the kickoff return squad that you put out there when you think there's going to be an onside kick. They're all lined up real shallow, anticipating the ball. You know, you want receivers, you want tight ends, guys like that with hands to catch that ball, secure that onside kick. And uh, George Kittle actually secured the onside kick recovery to send San Francisco to the Super Bowl. Here's a clip. 
the 49ers to their eighth Super Bowl. Kicks the ball high in the air. It ricochets around. George Kittle has got it. Oh, that's so fun. I redeemed myself. I redeemed myself. I redeemed myself. I redeemed myself. He's talking about some playoff game from the past. I remember, hey, it's teamwork. I redeemed myself from 2021. Yeah, 2021. I don't know what happened. Um, but I mean, dude, that's so fun. You fucking. I'm gonna run it back. Take a look at the pile. I remember he kicked that ball high too. Dude, they're all around protecting him. They're like, yeah, dude. Dude, I'll tell you what. Football is a fun sport um, because of what goes on in piles, dude. There's a lot of shit that gets said in piles. In a football game, good or bad, right? You know, obviously, in that case, you got your whole team draped around you, and you're like, "Oh, we're going to dude." But like, you know, sometimes, like, especially at, at the, at, you know, playing linebacker, um, uh, at least in my day, um, you know, you're at the bottom of a pile with another guy, and and, and a lot of my old teammates have stories about this too, where you're at the pile. Uh, at the bottom of a pile with a guy and, and he's punching you in the gut or, you know, grabbing your ankle or kicking you or whatever. And there's a lot that goes on down there, man. There's a lot that goes on down there on down there that can change games sometimes, dude. And, and, and you know, uh, one guy gets pissed off, the other guy's in his head. You get up from the pile, maybe the guy that got punched in the gut wants to shove now that we're on the feet and all of a sudden it's 15 yard penalty flag and the guy at the bottom uh that was doing the punching just didn't get caught and the other guy ends up paying for it for retaliation so i don't know it's weird dude that detroit kicker laid a beautiful onside kick and believe me i was cheering for detroit i got hyped for a split second watching that ball go up in the air because it was the perfect kick. And a lot of times with a high onside kick like that, you can run your kickoff guys down and just light somebody up, dude. Um, so they'll have a lot, you know, the hand team, they'll put some guys in front to try to, you know, take the brunt of that uh, fury. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, he got the onside kick and, you know, San Francisco moves on. Couldn't stand it at first, but you know, Niners Chiefs. That's who we got in the Super Bowl. And so here's Nick Bosa talking a little bit about that matchup. Say this, but before our NFC Championship, I saw the Chiefs are winning, and I was happy. I was I wanted to play them. Not that I'm saying they're the weaker opponent or anything like that, but they beat us in the Super Bowl, so um, it'd be good to to have another crack at it. Yeah. So, all I'm hearing there is, let's get this rematch pumping. I don't know. Maybe that'll light a fire under some Chiefs players. They'll take that the wrong way. But obviously, he amended his statement by saying it's not because they're the weaker opponent. And I'm sure he did that by design because, you know, you piss a team off like that, it's not good. 
obviously the hotel factor is involved the chiefs have no control over that which sucks for them if you know the 49ers are able to turn that around and use that the field surface the hotel use it as fuel turn it around and really um you know make something of that i remember tom brady would talk about how he would literally make stuff up in his head uh before facing an opponent if that's what it took for him to get pissed off ready to compete and, and and I remember he was talking about, you know, like, what did that guy say? What did that guy say? And I think Michael Jordan did that, too. It's it's crazy what belief can do, um, especially in competition, even if it's delusional. You make something up in your head, maybe take a, a narrative and exaggerate it to yourself, you know, and you go out there and you unleash a can of whoop ass or a can of fury on your opponent. It's really interesting the human mind, um, and uh, and so you know, during the I guess it's a parade. It looks like opening ceremony type vibes. The teams are together. I saw you know stories were coming. My buddies. I guess it's in the stadium. It's almost like an opening ceremony for the Super Bowl. And um, they were booing the shit out of the Chiefs. They were booing the shit out of them. Uh, it's, it's been absolute. <laughs> yeah, he's standing there with Kittle. Make me want to play right now, baby. <laughs> I love the boos, man. I love the cheers, baby. Keep them coming, Niners gang. Keep them coming. Dude, is that cringy? I don't know. I'm back and forth on Kelsey because he's a great football player. And, you know, I really do think the guy just at his core wants to show up and play. Is he in a bunch of commercials? Yeah. Is he dating arguably the most famous musician, um, one of the most famous musicians in history? Yeah. Um. But you know, I saw him. I saw him the other day on on somebody's show, and you know, the guy does love the love playing ball. He is a competitor, and um, you know, I commend him for not uh, getting pissed off uh, when when all these fans are booing him. And on the other side of it too, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs use um, use that going forward. Um, yeah, let's see what do we got next. So the game's obviously being held in Las Vegas. And so I guess somebody at the NFL Honors, NFL Awards, uh, wanted to go and ask Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce, newly hired head coach Antonio Pierce, on how he felt about a division rival playing in their house. What kind of extra motivation does it give you and the team kind of seeing two historic Raiders rivals playing in your stadium in the Super Bowl? Well, I'm glad they get to, they get to see it just for a day. Then they get the hell out. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. Dude, you notice player, former player coaches, they got a different kind of fire about them. Dan Campbell... Gerard Mayo's intro press conference was kind of weird, I thought. Um, D'Amico Ryans, Antonio Pierce, these guys are fiery as hell. And 
and uh you know he can't control the super bowls in las vegas he also can't control that their afc well maybe he could control by uh beating them um more than once i don't know that was stupid um it's just it's interesting to see how fiery these guys get uh about their home turf i'd, I'd be annoyed too but more news going on in las vegas um, somebody climbed the sphere somebody was climbing the sphere and i've got a quick little clip of this guy up here i don't know how the hell he made it up but apparently this guy caused 500 or sorry a hundred thousand dollars in damages and he got arrested i haven't been to las vegas since the sphere uh was fully open but like i don't even know how the hell you'd get up there I, you know, like, uh, did he bring a ladder? Was he just free climbing it? He had to have been. And then you think about the damages. It's probably, you know, all that, all those damn lights around the uh, the building, whatever the, whatever the hell you call it, infrastructure. Like, and then, you know, is he still in jail? You know, what? Let me, sphere guy. Las Vegas Metro Police. Oh, this guy looks crazy as hell, boy. I'm going to have to add this in. Las Vegas Metro Police took a man who climbed to the top of the sphere into custody Wednesday morning. Police received a first call about the climber after 10 a.m. So this crackhead was out there in the middle of the morning just saying, I'm going to climb the damn sphere. We are responding to reports of an individual scaling a building near the 200 block of Sands Avenue. Please avoid the area due to emergency vehicles responding. Um... He made it to the top. He's a 24-year-old, and his climb was live-streamed by an alleged accomplice. His account was taken down shortly after the incident. Des Champs, who calls himself Pro-Life Spider-Man, is a known pro-life activist who've had, who has had previous arrests for climbing skyscrapers around the country. Jesus, man. Yeah, I'm going to throw this... Pro-life Spider-Man, dude. Okay. Des Champs is a Las Vegas local known for stunts like this. Last year, he climbed the Chase Tower in Phoenix during the Super Bowl. He reminds me of that uh, uh, Russian guy that um, Tim and Sean had on their pod a couple months ago. I forget his name. It was like a YouTube stuntman. He got canceled, whatever. But, dude, it's like these content guys that are big, big on shock value, like... They'll do whatever for some damn clicks. I I mean, you you think about. Um, I'm glad this culture went away, but you remember when uh, TikTok live streamers would like do stuff for um, badges or whatever. Like they would do. I could basically if, if they paid you, um, you know, they would like do some kind of reaction. Some some stupid. I think they were calling it like NPC, non playable character. I think that was a trend. And then I saw a clipping from, I, I think this happened a couple years ago, and I think it was a Russian Twitch streamer that literally was taking donations for abusing his girl. And it was like negative nine degrees in Russia at the time of the stream. This guy was like leaving, like, like shutting his girlfriend out on the porch in this weather. And like these, these viewers were literally paying him 
to like hit her in the head. This girl ends up dying because of they originally thought she froze to death, but she died because of head trauma. And so there was this whole discussion on Twitter, TikTok. I didn't spend much time on it because I prefer to keep negative shit out of my life for the most part. But, you know, I say that and we're fucking covering this on the podcast. People were paying the guy to, like, do something to her. Individually. Relatively, right? It's it, it just I, it's not the same thing, obviously, but it the one thing kind of made me think of the other is just people doing stuff for content, and uh, and so yeah, like literally people watching the stream were like, hey, you know, hit her in the head or whatever, and they would send money for it, and he would do it, and she ended up dying of head trauma. It's crazy. I think this happened years ago, but for some reason it just popped up on my shit. Horrible, horrible, and 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 he st he kept after she died. He like kept the stream on for like 30, 40 minutes, and like was addressing the viewers as he was like dealing with this situation in real time. Guys away in jail, thank God. And there were a lot of people online saying um, that the viewers paying him should be prosecuted too. I don't disagree with that. I don't know how in the hell they would find him logistically. Or anything like that and it probably won't happen but it's just you know people doing stuff for content this is much more mundane this guy climbing this fear so it says he was arrested in Las Vegas shortly after his stunt he faces several charges which are listed below destroying the property of another conspiracy to destroy real and personal property dude I mean I'm gonna have to throw this video in the drive he's willing to die for his cause friends of the man who climbed the sphere told the news told 8 News now shortly after being released by Las Vegas Metro Police. There's always a risk. It's been raining the last few days. The building is dry. He made it to the top pretty quickly. There was a ledge, but he made it pretty quickly. I'm going to watch this video. Um, and this is in real time. Uh, it's a 28 second ad. I'm good. We're not adding it. Um, yeah, so that's the end of the article. I just wanted to find out more about what happened with this guy. And this guy looks like a total crackhead. Total crackhead. But props to him, you know. It's uh, it's ballsier than something I would do. So, I think that concludes our Super Bowl coverage. And it does. Um, but I found something kind of interesting this week just kind of simmering um on different social media platforms twitter and instagram but it says Steelers have spoken with former running back Le'Veon bell and are cautiously hopeful about a reunion pending a satisfactory workout and physical the interest is real so i'm somebody that for years uh really since levion has been out of the league uh, wondered why he didn't get another shot. And I'm sure, you know, there's insider information that I'm not aware of. Um, but I mean, and I'm biased because, um, you know, it really was a formative time in my life when he was in his prime. But like that guy's patience at the line of scrimmage, the athleticism, his length. Um, I don't know why teams haven't looked harder at him. And obviously, you know, the Steelers are in a position where their offense is struggling, but then they got two really good running backs in that running back room, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. I was thinking they would need to trade one of them 
in order to get as much value as they can out of the salary cap. Um, but Schefter tweeted too. It says Le'Veon Bell, who hasn't played in the NFL since 2021 and has embarked on a boxing career in recent years, expressed his intentions for an NFL return in a series of Snapchat videos posted Friday night. I wish we had gotten a hold of those. Um, and then he said on his snap story, I guess, mark my words down, I'll be better than I ever was, and I'll only come back for that one team. You all know who it is. I don't have to say the team. Pittsburgh, man, Pittsburgh's a special place, and I grew up hating Pittsburgh as a Cincinnati Bengals fan. But the fans are special. The culture is special. I went and saw it for myself back in 2019 when I was working uh, for the Colts in Indy, and the Colts had a road game uh, in Pittsburgh in November. My buddy was playing for him, so you know he set me up um, with tickets. The Colts set me up with a field pass. Uh, it was real nice. They took us to a Penguins game the day before, and um, I just remember being so pissed off how good of a time I was having my first time in Pittsburgh because it's just it's it's football, it's hockey, it's it's sports, dude. The people there they care about sports. It's not like here in Phoenix where you know it's just kind of something else to do. Like that's the only thing to do in Pittsburgh, and it's you know it's part of Appalachia, near and dear to my heart. Um, hilly is all get out. Um, but the people are nice. They shoot you straight, and it, it's it's really beautiful there in Pittsburgh. I, I have a lot of good things to say about Pittsburgh. Um, and then I saw this. This was really interesting this week, too. Um, it said Calvin Johnson would smoke weed before games at the end of his career. We're talking about the greatest receiver of all time smoking out before a professional football game and still balling like he was. Um, I guess he said this on uh, RG3's podcast. He said, there were some games there in my career, man. I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to make it today. Let me get my mind right. I've been there before where you think it's a good idea to have a smoke before doing something. And then you smoke a little too much. And you think, how in the hell am I going to do this thing I'm getting ready to go do? Happened to me the other day. Just a little too much smoke. And you're like, damn. I got shit to do, man. I'm high as hell. And you talk about how high the stakes are in a professional football game. And this guy was like, yeah, I'm the man. Fuck it. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a smoke. I wonder what he was smoking or if he was taking edibles or what. I need to watch that podcast and kind of, you know, get the details on that. But golly, boy. I remember first time I got high and did athletic activity, uh, it was in college. And we had an intramural basketball game. And I don't remember the game at all. But I remember I went for like 20 points or 30 points. And I was like, you know, I could I could do this a little more often. Fast forward a couple of years and, you know, um, I love to have a smoke before I go and train, um, you know, an MMA or, or whatever it is. I know a lot of jujitsu guys that enjoy it, enjoy getting, you know, getting smoked out and, and flowing a little bit. And receiver's a position where it's kind of like I could see how you could, you know, get high and, and do that. 
I don't see how you could get high and play linebacker. I don't see how you could get high and play quarterback. I remember some someone else talking this. I think it was Cam Newton. He's talking about um, somebody asked him. They said if there was any position in football where you know it would help to get high before the game, which one would it be? And Cam Newton had a really smart answer. He said kicker. And and he was like, you know, stakes are high. Kickers have to come in in some really big moments, and it would help them out to, like, chill out a little bit sometimes. And I just remember hearing stories of my buddies um, who knew some, some – uh, this was back in college and knew some kickers that were uh, playing over at Bama, University of Alabama football, and uh, and talking about how some of these guys, especially the backup kickers over there, and, and again, I'm just repeating what someone told me, but he said those guys would get fucked up on anything, like like acid, Molly, you name it. They would like, uh, you know, I think he said they were practice that way. And you know you're a kicker, right? You could you can make it happen. I mean, think how many guys play golf intoxicated. Playing golf and kicking in football, it's it's pretty damn similar. And obviously, you know, you see folks like John Daly, constantly drunk on the course, got the job done, no problem. So I think getting intoxicated before um, athletic events. Especially when it's in a professional setting is is a taboo topic. But I think back to that uh, Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher that, um, you know, threw a perfect game back in, I think it was the 70s, uh, on acid. You think how many guys, you know, if we know about that uh, 50 years later, 40 years later, how many more guys in that same time span have, have probably, you know, Got a little messed up before a ball game and, and just didn't tell anybody because it was so taboo. I don't know. It's interesting. We're in a culture where a lot of things that were taboo for so long are starting to not be taboo anymore. And I think that's cool, but I think we also got to be careful. You know, I'm thinking about sports gambling. I'm thinking about weed, um, you know, among other things. Psychedelics, mushrooms, stuff like that. Um, powerful tools for people if used the right way. Um, I can't imagine what playing an NFL game on mushrooms would be like. I'm sure there are some guys that have a, have the story to tell. I guarantee it's happened before. Right? It's just like who who will come out and say it first. It's interesting. It's interesting. But, I mean, I get it, right? Because, you know, you wouldn't want to go around telling people, you know, a random nine-to-fiver that you showed up to work on mushrooms, even though a lot of people do it. I'm a big proponent of microdosing. I think that can make you a lot more creative, a lot more focused. And I'm really excited for a lot of the studies that are coming about showing the the benefits of of mushrooms because they're they're from the earth if you use them the right way they can be a really good tool to expand your brain so yeah sports and uh psychoactive compounds it's fun to talk about what we got next let's see 
Oh man, I loved this clip. With things that you haven't prayed for. How many times has you has he lifted you off your feet when you didn't ask him to? That's how you know you deserve it. That's how you know that you are worthy. That's how you know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and gave us the victory. He already gave it to you. So receive it. Talk to him. already gave it to us, but you gotta receive it. Pastor already did an amazing job with this sermon, but you have to take it upon yourself and chew on it. That's actually good. You word. have to eat it. Okay, we are called not to be lukewarm. Let's be hot. Let's be on fire for Jesus. Dude, so Jameis Winston is finally starting to like, like I saw him on on uh, Pardon My Take the other day. Like this guy is a podcasting gold mine, dude. This guy um, is a national treasure, Jameis Winston. And I know he got clowned a lot for his pregame speeches, eating the dub. You know, he's talking this week about how he's got wins in his in his last name. Dude's a national treasure. And I love settings like this. When I was a kid, um, my parents take me to this Episcopal church in, in Paris, Kentucky. And sometimes we would get together with a black church down the road and worship together. And I'm telling you, man, there ain't nothing more hype than a black church. It's hype, dude. And so you think about, you combo that with the beatest speaker of all time in Jameis Winston. Dude, that guy is so bad. He's bad. And I mean that as a compliment. I love Jameis Winston. I wish that his pro career would have gone better. But, um, yeah, he's... uh. He's a national treasure, dude. I'm gonna run it back. With things that you haven't prayed for. How many times has you has he lifted you off your feet when you didn't ask him to? Mm. That's how you know you deserve it. People in the back. That's yeah. how you know that you are worthy. Yeah. That's how you know that Jesus died on the cross for us. Come to church. Gave baby. Us the he already gave it to you. So receive it. Pastor already gave it to us, but you gotta receive it. That's a good word for you real. Chew on it. Okay, we are called not to be lukewarm. Let's be hot. Let's be on fire for Jesus. <laughs> Dude, James Winston is so Birmingham. It's sick. He's so Birmingham. Every single fella in Birmingham uh, has a bit of that in him. Um, talking about chewing on it, baby. Chew on it. Fire. What do we got next? Okay. So speaking of Alabama, I don't know where this is. This looks to be somewhere in the south. Y'all can decipher it for your own based on the accents here. But these guys, they heard either a mountain lion or a bobcat, and this this damn thing was chirping now. Dude, that's crazy. I told him to leave that fucking radio alone. <laughs> oh, no, oh, fuck. 
Thomas. I haven't seen anything out here, but I haven't seen anything. I haven't. God, man. <laughs> Them damn cats, I'll too. I'll climb up in that fucking skitter in a minute. <laughs> I bet I will. That fucking skitter. It's like the sound wrapped in the rail. Check around that damn skitter. Oh, Maybe there's so much flying out over here. I bet you that damn dead bird. Listen, he heard it a few minutes. I go check around that darn skitter. Darn skitter. What the hell's a skitter? Bail it down. And Aaron's a farmer back home in Kentucky, so he gets all of this shit on his timeline. And uh, he said that to me this morning, dude. I don't know what in the hell a skitter is, and that's that's, that's saying something. You know, I come from I've come from Kentucky, so I'm familiar with a lot of that terminology. I don't know what a damn skitter is, and I don't know, quite frankly, what those guys were doing out there. Um, listen, I'll run it back. Let's see. We got like a. Damn, boy. That <laughs> scared the shit out of him. Fuck that, shit. Fuck that, boy. They got a truck. They got a tractor. They're probably deforcing the place. Must have pissed it off. See, and the thing about rednecks is, rednecks love, I call it boosting, right? So if a, if a guy's feeling a certain way, um... All of his buddies are going to want to try to exaggerate that state of mind as much as possible. He goes, you must have pissed it off. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. And this guy's just paranoid as hell, and you can see it. Um, I'd love to know where this is. Maybe I'll go into the comments after we shoot this and, and look, dude. But, golly, he said, go down there in that skitter. I remember, dude, I was young. I think I was like 10 at oldest, maybe 12. And my dad and I, we used to go about two hours south of Lexington to uh, a little south of London, Kentucky, middle of nowhere, sticks. My granddaddy had a, had a little uh, Christian retreat down there, beautiful country, quiet as a mouse out there, eerily quiet, but peacefully quiet. And you literally, uh, to this day, if you want electricity in the cabins, you got to run a generator. So at night, you know, you you cut the generator and and it was just, i remember it was a summertime um we opened the windows and the generator was off so it's dead quiet at night it's really nice but if you don't like silence it could drive you nuts and i remember one morning uh it was like middle of the night pitch black out and i heard one of those shrieks out of the woods dude i'm getting goosebumps talking about it I heard a bobcat like that and it was just going and it was so loud and so clear it had to have been no more than like a hundred yards from the cabin and these motherfuckers they just got like war cries dude they sound ferocious as shit i think that was a bobcat because that was a similar noise i heard and i don't know whether that's a mating call whether that is uh that they're in distress or you know they're warning what i don't know what it is but um the shit's scary bro and i mean bobcats i think i've seen one around here in arizona they're not too big 
but they make the loudest screech the loudest anyway um that clip was funny as hell let's see what we got next ah i saw this and thought it was pretty cool couple bears going at it baby Their skin's so thick. Those bites don't even really do a whole lot one by one for real. We'll run it back. Two males. Grizzly's mean too. Fighting over territory or fighting over puss? Dude, I watched the, uh, you seen The Revenant? I watched The Revenant again recently, and that movie does such a good job of illustrating what it could be like to get mauled by a fucking grizzly bear, dude. I don't know if there's many other uh, things that I would want to happen to me less. I genuinely think that I'd rather be burned alive than mauled by one of those guys. And there are some in the caption. This na caption, this Nature's Metal account is really, really good. A lot of people I know don't want to see it because it's too gruesome most of the time. But they were saying in the captions like how they can't imagine how somebody out there could think that they could beat like a bear in a fight. And I'm sitting here thinking, why even mention that? Who's delusional enough to think that they could fucking... Uh, come out in one piece let alone beat them dude the power of their jaws their claws they're strong as shit they're pretty damn good natural wrestlers i saw a couple of collar ties in that in that in that damn uh clip my dog's actually my dog jasper he's pretty good at the collar tie when he's play fighting with other dogs he'll fucking dog comes at him he'll take his paw Go around their neck and shuck them off, dude. Jasper's kind of a G. And, I mean, bears are really just big dogs. They really are. But, I mean, golly. I'm going to run that one more time. Like, just the force in that first strike. The explosion. You got that damn hide right there on it. The because they go for the neck. And they, I never really see, like, crazy blood drawn in these bear fights. I see some. But, like, uh, I started uh, Jordan Peterson's audiobook, 12 Principles for Life, and I'm, I'm on the first part of it. He's talking about this very thing, right? Like, animals fight because they are either trying to mate or they are looking for somewhere, some type of territory that's theirs, right? And he was talking about how humans, really at our core, are not so different, right? We all need a good place to live. We all need a mate. And 
that's really the animalistic basis of why we humans are motivated to do the things and behave the way um, that we behave. So uh, it's it's crazy, man. He was talking about how, you know, there's levels to it and like, you know, uh, a lot of times an animal will, like show its prowess. He was talking about lobsters, right? And how lobsters will take their claws and show them. And like if one guy's claws are bigger than the other, then the other guy will kind of back away and, and avoid the conflict and nobody has to get hurt. But sometimes that doesn't happen that way. And he was talking about the highest level. And this, I guess this applies to humans too, where it's like if physical combat is needed, they'll duke it out. And most of the times, both parties come out damaged as shit. And then a third party is the beneficiary of the conflict because he's healthy. He can come in, take over the territory, whatever. I would imagine that's the case with bears. And given the length of this clip, it's only about 30 seconds. And it looks like the bears kind of wrapped it up. And, and uh, you know, I would imagine the... Uh, the guy on the left, I'm bullshitting. I don't know who won that thing. Little uh, Vision Pro talk to wrap the show. So I'm surprised at how prominent the Apple Vision Pro has come on. I'd imagine they're spending a lot of dollars um, to get influencers and, and people with a lot of reach get these headsets in front of them so they're talking about it um like it's been you know you you have some time to kill you go into snapchat you go into like you know the the story screen and like i, I was clicking on it every other influencer is talking about the vision pro um as of the day of this shooting they just released it a week ago so february 2nd and uh you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously, we're talking about it on the show, and no other VR headset has kind of been worth mentioning at this point. Um, and a lot of Wall Street outfits, a lot of pundits um, were talking about, like, hey, there's no interest in the VR market, but Apple has a knack for taking markets that aren't really active and invigorating them with whatever product they come out with. And so it's really surprising. Like I said, I'm talking about it. How much the Apple Vision Pro has been talked about, and on the next clip, you'll actually see there's a night vision feature that looks really cool, dude. And show this, check it out. So you got the damn menu. People, people are gonna be walking around with these damn goggles in their heads, acting like fools. I've seen somebody uh, uh, whipping a Tesla on autopilot. With his damn Vision Pro headset on. That's the most modern bullshit I think I could fathom. And I know South Park made fun of it. Me and, me and my camera guy, Colt, were talking about it before the episode. Like South Park's making fun of it. I think I heard on Rogan that the Simpsons were calling that years ago. And that the Simpsons have a knack for predicting everything that happens in society pretty accurate i don't know uh how they do it they must be in touch with some creative muse that gives them vision into the future but like damn dude like people are gonna be walking around with these damn big ass goggles on their head and you know cold and i were talking about how they they should drop some glasses that look a little bit more incognito um 
But I mean, you know, Apple has a knack for taking things that haven't been popular, haven't been successful, and making them popular and successful. And props to them. It's really ballsy to to not just do that one time, but do that consistently um, with stuff that people originally were like, oh, we don't need that. We're not spending the money on that. And now that, you know, uh, it's out, it's Apple, there's a lot of buzz. There's a whole hell of a lot of buzz around it. So will I buy one? No. But I'll probably be eating my words um, down the line. You can replay this shit when... I do inevitably get one. No. $3,500? I can't do that. Not for a damn headset. That's crazy, dude. Just freaking invest it. Invest it. You know, I'm not going to say where, but invest it instead of... Then you can do the investing from your damn Vision Pro. You can have a damn uh, NBA game going on on one corner. You can play, uh, you know, whatever game on this corner, and then you can have your damn... uh, investing deal just fool around with it look at charts trades whatever that's pretty cool i'm not gonna you know um i'm not gonna lie so that kind of leads me into the picks for the week i should have bought me a damn vision pro and just did my picks for the week on the damn vision pro for this fucking podcast man golly boy this shit society's crazy 2024 is crazy and 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 we're not even close to uh, election time or anything like that. I've been talking about that with a lot of people. How crazy twenty twenty four is already shaping up to be. But um, with that being said, we don't know what's going to happen in the Super Bowl as of the day that this episode is is being released. But be remiss to not give my Super Bowl picks. And I can't recall my record off the top of my head. But on the championship week. I think I had some picks that worked out. We'll we'll crank out a record and show it on screen eventually on this show. Um, every week we have NFL picks from here on out. But it's the last pick of the season. San Francisco 49ers are two and a half point favorites according to FanDuel at the time of this filming. Money lines minus 130. Total points are 47 and a half. Now there's many other bets that I could speculate on. And again, this is not financial advice this is hypothetical and me having a good time but if you wanted to bet on whether travis kelsey is going to propose to taylor swift or not after the game you can apparently do that okay yes you can my camera guy's shaking his head you can it's crazy i know it's hard to believe but you can and so i think it's i think it's like minus 130 no um and then whatever, uh, yes, it's like you know, it's crazy. I don't. I think, I think personally, God, I promised myself I'd never get in on this fucking gossip. And here we are, Super Bowl week, talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Fuck, dude, I hate everything. Okay, anyway, I'm gonna take the Chiefs plus two and a half, and I'm gonna take over on a point total. We'll see. Hope I'm wrong. I really do. I love the NFL, but I've hated how this season's transpired. It's okay. So those are my picks for the week. Hope you guys have a great Super Bowl. Love y'all. 
appreciate you watching prayers and thoughts up to my brother chris Schelling, um who we lost uh, a couple days ago love you brother and that'll conclude this week's episode of in the jar we'll see you